Hello there, true believers. This is Head Speaks, a proud member of the Headcast Network family of shows. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Moss, aka Head. This is my mostly monthly Headcast, where I talk about comics, movies, role-playing games, TV shows, and anything else geeky that I want. So sit back and enjoy the ride. Let's begin. And welcome back to Head Speaks. This time in What's in Head's Long Box, we're going to continue my multi-epic look at Armageddon 2001, where I'm trying to see if I can actually get these out on a timely basis and actually talk with other podcasters out there in the universe. Uh, joining me once again, they were here a couple months ago talking some Superman Annual Number 3. Uh, they're back this time to talk about Action Comics Annual Number 3. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome... Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Michael Bailey. Hey, Michael. Hello. And also joining us once again is Mr. Clinton Robinson. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Hey, you're coming back. Thanks for having me back. I figured I was banned since last time. No, no, if I can have Shag on here, almost anyone's safe. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, like I said, we talked here a couple months ago about Superman uh, Annual Number 3. We're back for another Superman Comics Number 3. This one's Action Comics Annual Number 3. Let me go give you guys a quick synopsis and information on it. Again, this information I'm going to read off. Once again, comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. It's a great site. This was Action Comics, annual number three. The cover date just said 1991. Buy it on the stand. You had to be around on July the 9th of 1991. And the cover price was $2. The title for this one was Executive Action. Writer was Roger Stern. Penciler, Tom Grummet. The inkers on this one was Dennis Rodier, D- Doug Hazelwood, Carlos Garzon, Brad Vincanta. The letter was Bill Oakley. The colorist was listed as Glenn Whitmore and Matt Hollingsworth, and edited by Mike Carlin. And the cover credits on this one was by Dave Gibbons. Our synopsis, the story starts with Superman and Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico fighting a horde of parademons. During the battle, Calabac is resurrected after being apparently killed off in New Gods number 12. After Superman stomps Calabac, the villain gets pulled into a boom tube created by Metron. Metron informs Superman that he implanted Calabac's location into Superman's mind. Metron departs, not caring that Superman doesn't really like the fact that he was used, which he informs Lois about later. Meanwhile, Wave Rider does a w- quick recap of his origins as he visits Superman once again. He comments how that we looked into Batman's future, it was a little different than what he saw when he saw Superman's, as we talked about in Superman Annual Number 3. He decides to look at Superman's future once again. In this future, Paul Kent dies when his tractor falls over on him. Clark and Lois move Maul in with them, they sell the camp farm, and they get married. And they live happily ever after. Okay, maybe not. Uh, Superman busts the inner gang's warehouse and stops inner gang taking them out. Later at dinner, childhood friend Pete Ross announces his intention to run for president, and he would like Lois and Clark to run his campaign. As the campaign races on, at a rally, someone fires a newsie at Pete. 
I'm assuming it's a newsie. I'm not a gun guy. It looks like one. Clark rushes out to save his friend, taking some of the bullets, and also revealing that he's Superman. Pete says that he's not going to be able to continue, and he asks Clark slash Superman to take over for him. Clark concedes and decides to run for president. Star Labs looks over his rocket and determines that he was born once the rocket crash landed on Earth, making Superman a natural citizen of America. At LexCorp, a man called Dick is talking to a shadowed man who refers to as Mr. L, who he discovers Lex is her son. And we'll talk about this more a little bit later on. Eventually, as the cover shows, Superman is elected President of the United States. Afterwards, Luther Jr., still in shadows, and Richard Martin are talking with Clark's opponent, Herbert Forrest, about killing the President of Steel. Suddenly, the Secret Service bust in and arrest the two men, as Forrest was wearing a wire. Meanwhile, with Aquaman's help, Superman finds some sunken gold, retrieves it, and announces his plan to slowly introduce it into the economy, and he plans on keep doing this to help out our economy in the country. The world continues spinning, and President Kent continues saving lives and improving and uniting the world. Wayfarer keeps watching, afraid that Superman will become a monarch. He watches as Superman gathers the Justice League, Titans, Doom Patrol, and other heroes, such as Starman. He proposes that he's reducing the world's arms, and wants these heroes to unite as one group to help place the world until he gets done doing so. Super conservative Guy Gardner gets upset that Superman is reducing our forces, and calls him a traitor, and blasts him with his ring. A few heroes begin inter- intervening, but Superman stands up and says, I'm perfectly capable of handling Mr. Gardner on my own. And then he begins to do so. After a battle of wills, Superman is able to reform the Green Lantern ring around his own finger. That's when Hal and John Stewart show up. Guy mistakenly thinks they are here to help him since Superman stole, in quotes, his ring. He's shocked when the Green Lanterns arrest Guy and take him back to Oa. Back at the White House, Hal Jordan appears to President Kent and offers him a power battery to recharge his ring. Deciding that that is too much power for one man, he returns the ring to Hal. Power converter satellites are launched to provide Earth with unlimited energy, basically turning Earth into a paradise. The Kent sit around discussing how they wish Pa could have lived to see this, as Wave Rider pulls out of Superman. In present time, Clark tells Lois that he needs to go, and he flies off to Metropolis, and he saves Pa Kent from being crushed by his tractor. Wave Rider watches, amazed, as Superman seems to remember somewhat their encounter enough to change his future. And the story continues on to Flash, annual number four. So, uh, before I normally ask you guys what you thought about this, I've got a quick question for Mike, since you are the Superman guy. Again, I was reading these as they came out, so I remember these stories. I just, again, it's been 20 some odd years, 30 years. Okay. When they show Luther in here, Luther Jr., they show him in shadows. They, they don't really give you a good look at Lex Luther Jr., in quotes. Had they revealed Luther Jr. in the comics yet? No, uh, no, they had not. The summer of 91 uh, was when Metropolis was in kind of dire straits after the death of Luther at the end of 1990. And it wasn't until the uh, storyline Blackout, it took me a second to remember it, which is kind of ironic considering it's about Superman losing his memory. Uh, but but during Blackout is when Lex Luthor II reveals himself to the world. And uh, over the course of the next few months, you really don't know who he is. So having him here in shadows w- made perfect sense. And it's kind of, it goes along kind of a thing where, uh, like in the Superman annual where they 
we're kind of talking about some things that would eventually actually happen the next right. year. This annual continues to do that. So not showing Lex Luthor uh, the second or Jedediah Luthor, as I will occasionally call him because of his uh, facial hair, um, which again is kind of weird because he has an Australian accent or what William Hootkins called an Australian accent in the De- Superman Lives audio drama, which wasn't actually all that bad. It's mean. And the man's passed away. And I mean, good Lord, he was Porkins. He was Lieutenant Eckhart. He was one of the top men in uh, Indiana, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he was oh, Munson and Flash Gordon. So uh, I should give him more, uh, more credit than that. But yeah, uh, that's a very long winded way of saying no, not yet. That would come later. Okay, so this was Lex Luthor Jr.'s first appearance in... I think he had been... There were some shadowy things going on, but since, you know, Roger Stern wrote this annual, and he was really the guy that took point on Lex after Byrne left the Superman titles, so it makes sense that he would get to kind of foreshadow the the younger Luthor uh, in in his annual as opposed to another one. Okay, as I was reading this, because again, it's been 25, 30 years since I've read any of these stories, and I dreamed these when they came out, because again, as I said in some other podcasts, I got into comics in 87, by 88, 89, I was full-blown comic addicted, buying almost everything DC and Marvel pet out, so I was buying it, I just couldn't remember the time frame when this appeared, continuity-wise. Clinton... I started with Michael first last time, so let's go ahead and give you a chance. What are your thoughts on this issue overall? Uh, this issue overall, it's a very solid story the, as far as the alternate future part. It should be noted, you already pointed it out, but it should be really noted that Superman can retain a, at least a feeling about the alternate futures. Right. You know, it kind of helps him set his course straight. And he's really the only character who can do this in all of Armageddon 2001. So, I mean, it, he's Superman for a reason, I guess. The framing sequence with Calabac, it's enjoyable, but I don't think it really has much play on the actual story. Yeah, no, I mean, it just gives him something to do and talk to Lois about, but yeah, you could substitute the Calabac portion with almost anything, really. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the same thing as the inner gang sequence from the Superman annual, except inner gang actually plays a stronger role in that annual. We never see anything about Apocalypse, New Genesis, any of the new gods at all after that one encounter. Right. Even Yeah, you're right. It's, it's very... I see, yeah, you could substitute that beginning with almost anything and still come out the same. But, I mean, yeah, other than that, it, like I said, it's really a solid issue. The art's great, and, you know, it, it's not as great as the Superman one, in my opinion, but it's still not bad. And Mr. Bailey, what are your thoughts on this issue? Oh, man. Okay. Wow. You want to talk, you know, I love this Superman annual. To paraphrase Rob Kelly from uh, one of the many episodes in the Fire and Water Network, I want to take this uh, this issue outside, out, out back of the high school and get it pregnant. Um <laughs> There there are so many things about this annual that speak to me. Uh, one, Tom Grummet's artwork. Tom Grummet came onto the Superman books full-time right when Superman the Man of Steel premiered in 1991. And I remember seeing his artwork for the first time 
and thinking, oh my God, it's like John Byrne and Cary Gamble had a kid. <laughs> and this is the type of Superman I love to see. So it gave me that kind of Byrne Gamble, you know, style of Superman that I had been kind of missing. And here, he, he's got a lot of inkers on him and i don't know if that's because the book was late or it was just easier to have a bunch of inkers he is paired with uh denise rodier uh who i uh, i don't know which pages are which and he's also paired with doug hazelwood who would be one of his main partners especially on the superboy series and the uh, later in the 90s so on an art standpoint it is just magnificent throughout this entire book uh, the fight with Calabac, yeah, doesn't really fit anywhere, doesn't really matter to me, uh, because <laughs> it was just a really cool fight, and Grummet would go on with Carl Kessel to play with a lot of Kirby concepts, not the new gods, uh, which I think, to be fair, I really think Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet should have been given the new gods in the 90s. Uh, nothing against Walt Simonson and John Byrne and the other people that worked on them, but though, but Kessel had a sensibility for those characters, and Grummet could just make them look awesome. The idea of Superman getting to run for president because this version of the legend, he wasn't technically born until he came into the United uh, States. Uh, I believe they would refer to that as what an anchor baby. Uh, at this point, maybe I'm getting that term wrong. That's entirely possible. Was really cool because it gave you the the option to have him run for president. And part of me, and, and this is just how my mind works, there is too much of a oh wow, this is so great. Look at all the great idea he's providing, and look at all the people in the world that are coming to Superman and Ben, you know, and, and now we're getting, it's, it's more of a global, you know, globalization towards the end. He wants to bring everybody together. He wants to kind of dismantle the military structure and have the justice league help out with this. Uh, wants to do a little more of that Superman four thing where, you know, he wants to get rid of all the missiles, but which just it's a little too good of a future. It's like this is the complete polar opposite of Superman going crazy and dying at the hands of Batman. <laughs> My favorite page in this entire annual outside of the page of the headline showing him with his shirt in tatters over the the form of Pete Ross is uh, later in the issue when he's addressing all of the heroes uh, that he's assembled to kind of, you know, make his uh, make his uh, mission statement work. It's a glorious shot of 1991. <laughs> These are the heroes that were the big the big guns in the DC universe. You you have there's only one person in this entire group that I don't recognize. It's one of the Doom Patrol people in the background. I recognize Robot Man. And I recognize Negative Man, who I think is going by the name Rebus at this point. Mm -hmm. I don't recognize the girl in the trench coat, but you have Hawk and Dove. You have Guardian. Was, was that Crazy Jane? Maybe? Yeah, that's I Crazy Jane. Okay, so so I know who that is. I just didn't recognize her. But you got Hawk and Dove, Fire and Ice, the Will Payton Starman, woohoo! Uh, Wonder <laughs> Wonder Woman. Gangbuster, Batman and Robin, Martian Manhunter, Guy Gardner, Starfire, Nightwing, not quite in his 
uh, second Nightwing outfit. You got the Flash, Red Star, Panther, uh, everyone's favorite character, Phantasm. Yeah, (laughs) Blue Beetle and the female Dr. Fate. And it's just like, so 10 years from now, they're all still around. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to happen. But it's a great shot. (laughs) Power will always be Arion's granddaughter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you know, of all of the terrible costumes she's had, I actually really liked this one. Yeah, because I felt that it's actually almost sexier that she is covered from like neck to toe than you know having you know I I will never argue with the original costume, but some of the uh, like like the the guardians there I love him Gangbuster, it's like Tom Grummet is I think for the first time getting to draw a bunch of characters that he will have time with uh you know in different eras he would i'm trying to remember if this was around the time he took over no he was drawing new titans at this point because he drew some of lonely place of dying right which was the end of 1989 and then he would draw superman and, and, and adventures of superman so he got a lot of gangbuster time in and the guardian he would draw more when he and Kessel came back to Superboy after issue 50. So, and, and it may seem like, wow, you're spending a lot of time on this page. It's because it's awesome. I have to agree with you. My one nitpick, and it is so minor that I almost don't want to mention it, but it is kind of a nitpick, uh, and my dog agrees with me on this. Roger Stern, I don't think Roger Stern liked Guy Gardner at all. Uh, <laughs> if, if you read the novelization of the life and death of Superman and and how he treats Guy, I get the sense that Roger Stern really didn't like this character and he would write him in kind of an extreme sort of way. And this is... Guy did have the machismo, he did have the, you know, patriotism, go-Ronnie type mentality... But to have him go this far down the down the bend, it all was basically just to have that moment where Superman gets the ring and then turns it down. Uh, but still, it was a great fight. I loved it. I loved it a lot. See, I'm right there with Roger. I think I'm not a huge fan of Guy Gardner, so actually, I could see Guy Gardner going again, thinking that you know he's better off, that he's better than Superman, and. The whole, you know, gang bucks, like I said, the, the synopsis, ultra con- super conservative. What do you mean you're going to de-escalate us? We, we need to be the powerful people in the country. What, what are you doing, you traitor? I, I could almost see Guy Gardner doing that. So, again, yeah, maybe it's just because I've got the same, same thoughts that Roger Stern does about him. But <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I mean, this is this is a fun book. This is kind of a hopeful annual. Like, if the world turned out like this... You know, every, you know, it, it just seems to me that it would, uh, you know, we through this. So I think it was a lot of Roger Stern kind of saying, you know, if Superman was president, things would be better. There And there's some little things like the fact that his running mate uh, is African-American, which yeah. is which would have been kind of, you know, new at the time. Yeah. And. You know, it's just uh, I just I just love this story. Yeah, the same thought. Yes, he had an African American woman running as his, his vice president. It was very, especially this time frame. I mean, this was decade before Obama. 
<laughs> ran and became president. So yeah, it's very futuristic looking, very and it's very optimistic tale that you know. Other than Pa Kent dying, this is a great future if this was to happen. I mean, the world's at peace. He's de-armed the world. He's got you know free energy for everybody. Other than Paul cannot be in there to enjoy it. I would want to see this in an actual comic, in actual continuity-wise, because, yeah, you, you make the world a peaceful place, and there's no room for good storytelling. So, But no, I've got a second and third your guys' comment. These are some, in my opinion, this is, out of the two Superman comics we've talked about so far, this is by far, in my opinion, the better one, possibly because the artwork, in my opinion, is so much better. And you were commenting about how there's several different inkers on this one. It was the same way with the, the Superman annual also. They had Terry Austin, John Beatty, Dick, Dick Giordano, and Dennis Janke inking that one also. So again, like, I don't know if it was the annuals running late or if it's just because it was an annual and it was something they were trying new with the whole crossover. Maybe they wanted to have different hands on it. I, I don't know. It was probably just easier to divvy up the inking uh, and keep the penciling pretty much the way it was. So, uh, and, and, and again, it looks, you know, you can kind of tell when the inking changes and you can tell that some inkers complemented Grummet more than others, but overall it's a, artistically, it's a great book. Most definitely. Uh, I just, I vividly remember getting this and just being completely and utterly in love with it. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's like, you know, yes, Pa dies, you know, Jonathan dies. And that's, that's, that's something that people seem to love to do to Superman for, for some bizarre reason, but everyone else gets to go on. And another little foreshadowing thing that they did that I, that I forgot to mention in my notes that, you know, Pete Ross would become a, a, a Senator the next year in a, in a storyline that involved Agent Liberty. And then eventually he would be vice president of the United States when Lex Luthor is elected president. So him being in politics is one of those things that kind of sticks around. And this was the one where he and Lana ended up getting married, which again would happen in 1994. Right. Kind of foreshadowing, if you will. Yes. Well, you're talking about the, the, you know, the, yeah, that page of Superman, uh, the newspaper of Superman over Pete's body. And then that one of Superman in front of all the superheroes talking. Another page besides those two I really like is page 17, where we have the left-hand side of the panel, Clark and Lois out on their date, going to dinner, dancing. And on the right-hand side, you see uh, Wave Rider mimicking Clark through all his actions. Seeing how he's, he's incorporating and living through Superman at this point, I just thought that was a nice... A nice touch. It's a nice artistic trick. It, it really, it kind of shows that, to me, it hints at the fact that when he touches them, he's kind of existing along with them. Right, I think that kind of shows that a little more here. So he kind of says that he, you know, goes into them, but this, like, you know, it kind of shows that he's not just viewing their life, he's actually kind of living their life in a fast forward to see it all quickly, which is a nice touch. I, I really like that panel. But as far as the story itself, like, you know, I, all I can do is really mimic you guys that it's just a great, great story. Uh, it's got fantastic. I love the artwork in this story. It's, yeah, it's very, when you see Superman, he's very Superman-esque, uh, where the other one had some problems with him appearing kind of long, yet not quite right in some places. This one here is very what I like to see in Superman. I mean, there's a panel on page 29 where he's flying above LexCorp, using his X-ray vision, 
Vision looking into Let's Core, seeing when they get the news that <laughs> the uh, Supreme Court says that he was born in the United States. It's just very Superman just flying above. <laughs> that's, that's another moment where you know this is fiction because the Supreme Court got something done quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm curious where like the huge line of people are demanding Superman's long form birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a few years. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another podcast entirely. Anyways, back to this one. Yeah, I, I do like that Gathering of Heroes. Like I said, I do love Starman. That's why I've got a podcast about him. I love Hawk and Dove. I enjoyed the Doom Patrol series that was at the time. Like I say, I read all these books. And yeah, it was, as I think Michael pointed out, kind of funny that however the teams were in 91, that's kind of how they pitched them for the next 10 years. Like, nothing was going to change. And, you know, costumes wouldn't change or... <laughs> Uh, was Dr. Fate a woman at this time? Do you remember offhand, either of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. She, okay. This was still during that era where they, uh, she... Uh, Eric and Linda. It was Eric and Linda, but I think this was around the time where it was always supposed to be a woman or something like that. Shag would know a lot more than I do, because he's more of a Dr. Fate guy, or girl in this case, uh, than I am. But I seem to remember that she, Dr. Fate was a woman for like two or three years through yeah, the end of that, that series. series. Yeah, I read that series. I couldn't remember when he or she or Dr. Fate changed back to being a guy because, again, it's been decades ago and I've got very limited recall. So, <laughs> but no, I do like, you know, the fact that, you know, he would keep being a woman for 10 years. I, I can see where they're going with that. And that's what they're familiar with, so that's what they wrote. But other than that, that's a minor nitpick that, you know, nothing changed in 10 years, really. Not even worth really mentioning. I, I do love page 45, the battle of wills between Superman and Guy Gardner. And Superman just places his hand on top of Guy's, and he's like, consider this the constant of wills, Gardner's. Yours versus mine. And then he just kind of reforms itself around Superman's hand. And like, you stole my ring. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> then he starts beating on Superman. His gloves are all torn up, and his hands are mangled. <laughs> I just love that. And then page forty-nine, where Hal comes in. We talk to the Guardian. Here's a power battery. You can be a Green Lantern now. And he's like, you know what? And again, that's very Superman attitude to have. That you know what? I've got enough power being Superman, being the president. I don't need this ring. No man should have that much power. I thought that was a nice, very Superman touch to the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is why Superman is one of the greatest heroes around. <laughs> and again, that, the last page where we get Superman doing just a classic Superman pose, Wave Rider watching right in the back of him. I just love that panel also. Uh, as far as the, the cover on this one, uh, once again, on a scale of one to five, one being this belongs in uh, one of Professor Middleton's quarter bins, two being it's okay, three being it's a good cover, four being it's really good, and five being this needs to be a poster. Uh, Clinton, what would you give this cover? I'll have to give this one a three. It's a very well-done cover. It definitely showcases what the story's going to be about. It'll draw in readers, but it's not very action-packed at all. And some people may be slightly dissuaded because of, you know, looking at this thing and, oh, great, I'm going to be watching C-SPAN for 48 pages. <laughs> and, Michael, what are your what are your thoughts on this cover? What would you do this cover? I, I'd give it a four. It's 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 Dave Gibbons. I mean, you, you 
can hardly go wrong with him as a as an artist. Superman looks great. There's a little something off about him, but you know, if you're if you're going to talk about a cover that's just going to grab your attention, Superman taking the oath of office with the American flag in the background is definitely one of those things that'll get your attention. And I'm going to go and give it a I'm going to give it a five. I would like this as a poster, even though. Like Clint said, it's not action-oriented. I actually think it's a, a really good cover. Like Michael said, it, it, you know, you got Superman, you got Gibbons, you got American flag. I think it's just a great cover. And like I say, yeah, it, seeing President being, I mean, again, Captain America did this previously when Captain America ran for president, whatever it was back in the, when was that, the early 80s, I think? He was asked to run. He didn't actually run. I think you're thinking of the what if cover. Possibly. Uh, I, I know he's taking the oath of office. That, that was before I got into reading comics. I, I know there was something about wanting Captain America to be president. I remember seeing some merchandise or something for it, but it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. I just really love this cover. It's, whenever I think about Armageddon 2001 and the covers, this is one of the covers I think of. So, uh, I really love this one. So, Clinton, do you have any other thoughts on this? Anything we missed? Anything you just want to comment on? I think we pretty much hit everything. Not as much as Superman hit Calabac in the first, but, you know. I'm <laughs> um, flipping through real fast just to double check. Um, no, I mean, I think we pretty well covered it this page 37 though i would like to point out you know every uh, network has an s at the end and um this one gentleman is reporting for the abs channel (laughs) yeah but i mean no this is we've we've said it all it's a solid issue the art is outstanding the plot i mean everything it's it's great and the the ending panel is everything you would expect from a superman panel and mr bailey any closing thoughts on this issue you know i i can't add anything to to what clinton said um it's 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 a near perfect it was a very rare bit of hope (laughs) <laughs> against a sea of desolation and dystopian future, uh, which is why it can never work. And all I think I think that's actually why it, it, it ultimately doesn't uh, come to pass. But one of my favorites, I pretty much liked all the Superman annuals from this summer, uh, but this one was definitely artistically my favorite, and I think story my favorite as well. And yeah, I have to agree with you guys. And the only other comment I'm going to make about this is on page 54, another, as I'm flipping through this, make sure there's other notes on this. The top of page 54, where Superman's picking up the tractor and Pocket's laying down the front of him. That's another great panel. I mean, I, I get sent through this book all day going through and look at all these great panels. Again, as I said, I like this one much more than the, the last. Superman annual look at, and I enjoyed it. I say, yeah, it's very optimistic, very hopeful, something that the last couple of Superman movies were missing, but that's another story entirely. We'll get into it some other time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it, it was a fantastic annual. I say this is one of the ones I remember the most from Armageddon 2001. I, I just love this, and I could talk all day saying the same thing, how much I love it and how great it was. Uh, but I guess I'm going to stop talking about it here. Clinton, why don't you go and tell the folks at home where else they can find you on the Internet? Well, if people are desperate to find me, I do a little show called Coffee and Comics Podcast, available on iTunes and Stitcher. And it's also available directly on coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. 
uh, closer related to what we've been talking about. I went and reviewed all of the annuals, not quite as in-depth as you're doing, Aaron, but uh, you can find that at armageddon2001.blogspot.com. And I'm also on Twitter most of the time at Coffee Comics Blog. Thank you very much. And Mr. Bailey, where can people find FortressofBailey2.com. It's the home of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. Uh, like I said, the last time I was on this show, uh, I do a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast with my friend Jeffrey, where we have been going through the post-crisis adventures of Superman. And one of those episodes from, oh, good God, years ago. Oh, man, I like five, six, seven years ago, uh, we talked about the Armageddon 2001 annuals. Jeffrey read them all. I think it turned his mind to mush. Um, <laughs> he didn't talk to me for like three weeks afterwards. Our arbitration had to had to happen because what I didn't know is when I started this thing, I, I created a binding arbitration clause, uh, which I really need to work on. Uh, but no, uh, FortressOfBailyG.com, you can find From Crisis to Crisis, It All Comes Back to Superman, Overlook Dark Knight, and all of the other shows I have ever done that I have produced myself. And I have to say, I love your shows. That's, as I said, here and elsewhere. I, I between your From Crisis to Crisis and Shag and Rob's Firestore Podcast and News Who, it's the ones that got me into doing podcasts. I want to kind of model myself after you guys because you guys were just doing such a great job. But, uh, thank you again very much for joining me once again, you guys. I plan on having you each on individually for some other shows, covering some more of the annuals, but I guess I'll do it this time. Again, I can't say thank you enough for taking time out of your busy lives to talk to little of me. I feel like a small fish in a big pond sometimes with you guys' podcast, but I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a true pleasure. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. If you're the small fish, that makes me the bait. <laughs> Not awkward. Well, anyways, thank you guys very much, and we're going to go ahead and take a break from here, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Head Speaks will be back after these important messages. Network, it's MASHCAST! Hosted by MASH megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes, episode by episode, the greatest television series of all time, MASH! Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com Jocularity! Jocularity! Beginning in 2018, the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the Loose Leaf editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez. Sandman by Mike Dringenberg. Batman by Norm Brayfogle. The JLI by Adam Hughes. 
Eclipso by Bart Sears. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. Dark Stars by Travis Charest. Lobo by Simon Bisley. Kent Shakespeare by Chris Sprouse? Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet. Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Parabek. The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me. Doom Patrol by Richard Case. <sighs> I'm so confused. And many more. The Who's Who Podcast, going boldly into the 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. Come in, Aaron Moss, codename Head. I have an important mission for you, son. I need you to podcast about G.I. Joe, a real American hero, the comic book series previously posed for Marvel Comics, currently being paid out by IDW. Um, which issues, uh, General Hawk? Issues? Well, son, you're going to cover the entire run, plus the yearbooks, special missions, order battle, everything, along with the cartoon. Wowzer, sir. That's a mighty large mission. That's why I'm assigning you several other Joes as they're available to help. And, uh, how do I report my findings? Monthly, at our main site, gijoe.headspeaks.com, on iTunes, and Stitch Radio. Submit your report under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Uh, anything else, sir? You can get further information on the social medias, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, all under G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Dismiss, soldier. Yes. Sir, now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Yo, Joe. And now back to Head Speaks. And welcome back to another segment of. Behind the podcast. Uh, this month we have joining us one of my good buddies in podcasting. He's over on my shows up all the time on my GI Joe, a real American headcast show. Plus, he has his own range of his own network. Uh, welcome, Pat Sampson. Hey there, Pat. Hey, Aaron. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for great to be here. Thank you for doing this with me. You'll be one of the. I'll probably have. I probably played Shags already, and then I'm going to have you as my, probably my second guest on here, so I appreciate you. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm honored following Shag. <laughs> helping me test pilot this thing and see how it works out. Sure. Um, I talked last episode about the origins of this, so I'm just going to get right into the actual episode or the, the segments. So first off, uh, Mr. Pat Sampson, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show at first? What, what shows do you have for people to listen to? Well, well I have... My original show was is the Longbox Crusade, and that was originally just supposed to be me going through my comic collection uh, chronologically uh, from the many twenty plus or more than more than twenty plus long boxes that I have stashed away in my basement that I've been collecting from a, a wee kid. So. Uh, with that, then I, I would do uh, some of the – I would do music, what was popular at the time, the top three songs for that cover date of that issue I was covering, uh, some news at the time, and then that's about it. But it's uh, it's grown more. As there want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, how how'd you come up with the idea to do – what you know how, – yeah, how'd you come up with the idea to do – the show about your long, you know, your crusade, your 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 search to sure. read them all. <laughs> um. Well, 
my original one was actually to I was looking to do a GI Joe one. So <laughs> then that's when got me stumbled uh, across to hearing your yours, and and then I just would kind of listen in to to your the way you do the the head cast and then uh, from there with the promos i would go to listen to other shows that would be promoted in and, and listen to them as well um think people on the fire and water network um you know ryan daly's stuff is uh good as well too so kind of just getting some of those examples and then uh, with that i decided well, since there's a G.I. Joe one out there and it's really good, well, what else could I do? Uh, sure. I decided to, well, I got a lot of comics and my wife has always been nagging me to either get rid of them or read them. And so the thought was to take her up on that and to begin reading them from beginning of our earliest comic that I have to the latest one that I have. So that began that crusade, that journey. I guess, of for me to read them all. And when you first started, when you actually decided to do the podcast, uh, what, were you, what did you envision when you first started doing it? Did you have any thoughts or long-term plans? Or did you just plan on doing just one uh, podcast? The, or how, how, what, how, what was your plan uh, originally? Yeah. If you have... If the, you yeah, it's, the plan was to do the podcast. Just That's all I had in my mind at the time was that podcast to do that and kind of, you know, like journaling, chronicling my journey through the, through those comics that I have and and my memories that I have of reading them or picking them up that, uh, um, from that, I didn't really honestly dream or think about where the show is right now or the, you know, the other shows that I have going on. Um, I do, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, these guys are doing it. it it's pretty easy. I'm uh, got some. I got a DJ background. I'm used to talking, uh, and I'm used to you know editing and or at least mixing music, making mixtapes back in the day. If anybody remembers that, yeah. Uh, you know, I got I got mixers around, floating around, so I would you know record my you know turntables, CD, tape deck, just kind of mix that all in, put that onto a cassette tape, and play that and uh, share that with friends. So that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of what I thought. So <laughs> Right on. Well, you guys, I'm enjoying your show, so it's, you're doing a good job at it. <clears throat> well, thank you. Um, thank you. I, I do. Oh, go ahead. What's no, the would, next? You have, would you have something else? Go ahead and say what you're going to say. Oh, um, the, uh, I do enjoy editing and, and learning. I've learned a lot on editing uh, a podcast. And to, uh, I've actually learned a lot on editing, posting and all that. And it's, I'm, I'm able to do it all for free. Yes. So it doesn't cost me. I don't have no hosting. I don't have. Uh, Same here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it works. Yeah. That's yeah, a lot of the other people that use these other big podcasting places and, you know, they're paying money monthly for this or that. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, I, I do you it know, all I, for free just cause I am a, I'm cheap and B, I don't have the extra money. If I had to pay for this, I couldn't be podcasting like I do. Yeah. I was doing it for uh, for a company, one of those, just to get it going. But then learning that I could, you know, some simple do it by myself, 
Um, and me being a technical person as well, too, I was able to go, well, I can do this and save myself so much money. Plus, what I didn't like about the company that I had is they would get rid of older episodes. Okay. So I'm like, well, that, that's not going to help. Or they would keep it if I paid them more money. So I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do yeah. that. Yeah, no, you know, when I started, yeah, I'm like, I don't have the money to pay to do this. But I found ways to do it online for free, just invest, yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. you know. And and it's a little more work, a little harder to actually do it all yourself like me and you do. But it saves mm-hmm. you the money, and it gets more rewarding, personally. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Yeah, I do, too, I think. Because you're actually doing the work, so. Yeah. Um, besides having a dozen shows and starting your own network, has things turned out much differently than what you envisioned originally, or is this the the main show? Is that kind of oh, that is it yeah. progressing like you want it to, or has it changed from your original thoughts? Um, I think the original podcast, the Longbox Crusade, has changed, and that changed when I started bringing an host with me. Right. Um, and that would be, you know, it definitely changed once I, I got Jared on. Jared ruins everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> he doesn't. He Without him, I don't think it's it's been a great time. And, and we have such a great friendship right now okay. that it's, yeah, I, I think. And being, you know, have, having the ability to be on your show, kind of mentoring me, taking me under your wing, um, a lot of even – like Ryan Daly uh, and Shag, they re- would respond back to my emails on questioning and asking them, you know, how do I start this or what do you think of this? Uh, same with you. Just the response back, I think, was very helpful and encouraging to get me uh, to continue to do it and and with the ideas. I, th- I would say without that kind of support and just for a new guy starting out, it, I that helped a lot. Definitely. And, yeah, the podcasters, it's a very insular group. I mean, it's very, we listen to each other's shows. We, you know, usually feel like if you listen to Fire and Water, their feedback, most of the people mm-hmm. that comment have their own shows. So it's a very, seems like an insular group that listens to the podcast, they record the podcast, but they're also, for the most part, very friendly, very willing to help, like you said. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When I got started, it's a very... I asked, you know, I had Shag on some earlier episodes, I asked him for his assistance. And yeah, no, it's a very good group of people. Uh, they set up a Facebook group to talk amongst right. ourselves. It started out doing a crossover for it was Conway or one of the, someone that passed away. What we originally set the group up mm. for, but it's modified itself and it became something different. It just it's a community. Yes, it's a little it's, community. It's a great we bounce fun. ideas off. We ask for, if we need help, if we need something, if we have you know. Hey, what do you think about this show? Yeah. We can throw it out there and get feedback from other podcasters, and like you said, they're mm-hmm. all very helpful. It's, it's a great community. Yeah. As far as you know, I got off the subject there, but uh, things changing on it. It it was reaching out. I believe I would. You know, I'm gonna, I'm going to point the name at Ryan Daly again, as he as I asked him for some feedback, and he was like, well, you know, if you get somebody on your show, you you got that more conversation going instead of just me dry talking into a microphone like this and going as I was watching and reading Spider-Man number 42 and you know having that conversation with another person is is very helpful I think Uh, and it definitely has 
I think once I had Jared on and we started talking and it was like, man, I got to do this again because we just, you just got people that have that chemistry and it, it, it's something I look forward to every, every week now we record something or we're doing something. It's, it's really, really exciting and fun. But I, it was, it was Ryan that kind of suggested me getting somebody else on that show uh, to do that with me. And from there, it just it just kind of grew. Me, uh, me and Jared had, uh, I think, great chemistry together. We have fun talking. Um, and then we brought on his brother, Jason, and then uh, his friend, Delvin. And from that, we've had some spinoffs. So the Long Box Crusade kind of has changed from just it's supposed to be chronologically going through. Um, it eventually changed to us doing that more of a random pull out of the long boxes. So it could be a random year out of the long box instead of in a row. And then bringing in with the other co-hosts I have bringing in their thoughts on it as um, what's in their long box for at that time. Um, But with that, then we did kick off. uh, I wanted to kind of continue my reading and so we had the spin-off show of Crusader Chronicles, which is the actual beginning, starting at the front to the end as well, there too. And we, we got talking into some other things. So now we have um, Saturday Matinee Theater, where we talk about um, uh, Sherlock Holmes right now, but we're talking about old uh, black and white, either TV serials, TV shows, movies, Things like that is is kind of what the concept concept is, and it's just another way for us to get together and talk, really, <laughs> right. and have fun. Well, um, so yeah. so you, you talk uh, like I met you through my show. You wrote in asking questions, and mm-hmm. as a listener, yeah. how did you you and Jared? You so you guys became friends. Have you guys, did you guys meet through the show, or how did you guys meet? If you don't mind me asking, have you known him long, well, or is it just? No, I haven't. I have, I've, I've actually known you longer. <laughs> um, and I do appreciate you responding back to me. I, I, that was so awesome to get somebody to respond back to me. No problem. Um, I, I feel like I was talking with uh, Clinton Robinson on my Head Speaks podcast uh, last month, I think it was. You know, I was. I had Michael Bailey on, who I consider one of my podcasting uh, godfathers between him and Shag show, those are the shows I listen to first, and those are the ones I kind of try to model myself after. So to talk with either Shag or Michael is like, to me, is royalty. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know what you're I was, saying. It's like, yeah, I, I, like I, a, I still. I feel like a small fish in you know, a big pond because I don't feel yeah. like anyone listens to my show. I feel like I'm half the time I'm talking to myself or just talking to you guys for just for you know, my own therapeutic purposes and get the stuff out. But and then Clinton's like, well, no, yeah, if, you, if you're a small fish, I mean, you know, I'm in a fish tank or something. So it, it feels it feels good to know that there's people that have the same feelings that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely, I I those I do have my list of people I would like to have and talk with. You know, right. uh, Michael's on there definitely. Um, Shag, I've gotten to talk a little bit with him. Hopefully, to get I'm wanting to get on another show with me and and. Shag, Rob, all those right. different people, I think. And there's you know, work with uh, Clinton. Great. We have fun talking with him. Um, yeah, just a bunch of different podcasting people. I got my list of 
you know, but I know they're all busy too. So oh, yeah, no. some so days sometimes it's hard to get a hold of someone to, but yeah, for the most part, if they can, they try to be, cause yeah, they're a great group of guys. And like I said, as far as yeah. podcasting wise to me, Shag and Michael Bailey are, are upper tier. And when they respond mm-hmm. they almost feel like, you know, like a little school yeah. girl, like, Oh, they're talking to me. Oh, great. You know, uh, the cool kids talking to me right on, you know, I feel good. Yeah. But if you think yeah, they're just like us, they're geeks, they're fans, they're, but yeah, they've been doing it longer. So I, I'm in the same boat you are. I've got a couple more people I'd like to talk with, but I'm slowly making progress. And so it's good. Like I said, it just yeah. feels, it, it's good to hear other people have similar thoughts and, you know, and interpretations that I do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, to go back to the question, yeah. I know I keep. That's what these things do. These things modify and change. <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to how I got with with Jared, I believe it was during, I think what Jared says is he, I think he heard my promo on a, on a JLI episode. Oh, okay. I think Shag, Shag was ni- nice enough to uh, play one of my promos on an episode that Jared had just started kind of listening to. And so then he popped over and listened to one of my episodes. And in there, I'm, I talk about, hey, if you want to, you know, want to talk or whatever, let me know and contact me. And so he contacted me. And uh, from that point, I'm like, yeah, sure. And that was, again, um from what Ryan said, I'm like, yeah, I'll get, you know, if somebody wants to be on my show or, or talk to me with that, yeah, I'll, let's, uh, hopefully this guy isn't a freak or a weird guy, but. <laughs> <laughs> and sadly, um, so, yeah. <laughs> no. No, so we, you know, we, we had like a, a test chat together and then kind of planned out the, when we would uh, meet up again to uh, talk to an, one of the Star Wars issues we were co- covering at the time. Uh, we did that and had great conversation and just said, Hey, you, I said, you're welcome back whenever you want to. So he just hasn't left yet. <laughs> you invite him in now. You can't get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys actually ever met in person yet or just on the Skype? Uh, it's just been on Skype or, you know, we'll, you know, we got our own chat group between the three of us or four of us. Um, we have our own little, uh, daily texting chats that we do and, um, we are meeting up though at Heroes Con. Right on. Come in June, uh, we will be the full long box crew will be at Heroes Con. Right on. Wish I could be there, meet you guys, but. <laughs> well, it all depends though, because Jared's picking me up at the airport in, um, in, in Atlanta, and then we have about a, I don't know how many hours it is to Charlotte, but. Right. So I'll be, yeah. Road tripping with him there, so. I was gonna say, out in the middle of nowhere and suppose your body. We are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, right on. So, so, hey, again, you've talked about your your wife complaining about your comics and they're in the way. Do something with them. How does your wife feel about you podcasting? How does that work out? If you don't mind me asking. Uh well, at first, she was she was fine with it at the beginning, you know, it was like a little hobby that I could do. And then once I started talking to other people, she got a little weird or I want to say weird, but she got a little, um, you know, unsure, like, Oh, who are you talking to now? What's going on? What's, um, but 
now that she's listened, she's actually had a chance to listen to uh, some of the episodes with me and the other guys talking. And she's like, oh, you guys sound like you really have a lot of fun. And so I think she's she's come around to it. You ever going to have her on uh, as a guest on any of your shows? Or is she opposed? What is you that? ever have her on as a guest? Have you thought about I've that asked or? her several different times, yeah, but she doesn't want to. So, And then that's, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I've had my wife we on have, twice, so it's... Yeah, no, I know. She does very well, I would have to say. I, well, she, she, I, I enjoyed those episodes with her. Well, thank you. I, she, she feels, again, much like the rest of us do, I, I can't do this. I, you know, I sound horrible. <laughs> People love you on the show, honey. They love you when you're on. So, yeah. So, no, thank you. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I do think she's not too much into the comics. So, I'm trying to, some way, they, I may find something she would be interested in doing. But, um, just not sure what this. <laughs> but now she she allows me the time. I have like we have set recording dates and times. Um, you know, I'll just tell her, hey, it's you know nine o'clock. I'm gonna be recording. So. Well, I'm glad you guys able to get that worked out. And yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very helpful. Oh yeah, you know, having a spouse that's willing to yeah. work, especially when you get addicted. I mean, if you have one little show, that's it's not much, but. It, like me and you, we both got addicted yeah. to it. And I said, I started with, well, I started two. I started one show and the next month I did the next one. And then <laughs> a year or two later, I started doing the G.I. Joe podcast and then my Starman. So yeah, it's slowly. Yeah. And then me and you, I, it grows. And then Andy somehow talked me into doing the, the Krypton podcast. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I found my limits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, yeah. It, I enjoyed the show, but yeah, just didn't time. Yeah, it, it's finding what you can do. I do have a lot of like every time I have tons of ideas of podcasts that I like to do. The other thing is I'm the editor too, so yeah. that takes up editing takes up a lot of time. So you think what you're listening to right now is, you know, if it's a thirty an hour show, it's probably good. You know, what do they say? Triple the time of editing it sometimes or more. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I don't mind editing. In fact, I find it easier to edit myself because I got a three-year-old at home. It's easier mm. for me to find time because I can put on one of the shows and he can sit there and watch YouTube or Netflix or something. Sure. I can sit there and edit. Whereas trying to record, I have to find time when I can have quiet. So mm-hmm. that's, that, that's my main problem. Is yeah, time that to is. Actually yeah. Record without him in the background talking or listen to his shows or. <laughs> yeah. So no, I definitely. That's yeah. That's where I think getting you know knowing when you can and getting certain dates and times down and and scheduled uh, to do your recording. Um, that's what I found. Uh, even when I was doing it signally, I had to you know make sure, like you said, there wasn't anybody in the house. Dogs weren't barking. <laughs> right on. So. Uh, what at this point seems to be your biggest obstacle with your show that you've ran into so far, if any? Um, the I think the big obstacle that I have is just the getting time to edit. Uh, to edit, I, and I maybe it's just me. I be I'm more on myself with the editing. Um, as I listen to other podcasts that are, do a great job of their edits and, and things like that, you know, that, that helps, that helps me up my game as well, too. I like placing music. I like placing bits and pieces, um, into editing. So I get a little, 
I don't know, I guess anal or <laughs> when I'm editing, like I'll remove all the ums and the ahs. And yeah. if there's a few seconds of space, I'll cut that space down. Um, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. I don't know. It's I do the same thing. Just a way. <laughs> I do the same thing. I try to take out people's ums. And I, I find myself doing that. Yeah. Um, what did I say that for? I got to remove that. Like, yeah. yeah, or longer long. silences yeah. or pauses. That space is too long. I need to remove part of that. Is that <laughs> should that be there? Is that an intent? Is that like a pregnant pause, or is that just a state? Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. I I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I could kick. I you know that I could kick things out a lot quicker. I do have tons. I want to say tons. I do have. I think right now, I do have about six different episodes of, of different things I need to edit and get out. Um, I was, I uh, did have, um, enjoyed, we did a, we did a, during the Christmas time, we did 12 days of Christmas. And so I had to edit 12 episodes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I listened to that and I'm like, wow, Pat's a better man than I am. I don't have the time <laughs> to record 12 daily shows and edit them, get them in. No, but that's, I, my, my hat's off to you, man. That was, yeah, thank that you. Was great. Thank you. It, uh, I, th- I think it was, it, I think it turned out pretty good. It was a great way of getting me down to editing. And what I learned from that is having a format to have for you, for your script. If you're using a script, use the script, um, it, to have that kind of in a format, and then also in my in editing, having that format of okay, you know, I have my opening music, I have this, I have these different segments, so I kind of have all that kind of stuff scripted out. And once I've had that stuff built, I can just uh, take the raw audio that I have, and then you know, edit edit it down, and then place it in between what I need to need to do. So I think that that's what I learned doing that. That twelve days of Crusademus was every that show was kind of really formatted out pretty good, and uh, we and the the thing that helped too was we didn't really go on too much. I mean, we probably we record a lot more audio than what people actually hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that being on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, but and then we, you 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 hear some of that in the outtakes and we like we get the. You know, I guess I enjoyed doing it and I if I can find my and find my joy in in doing that, uh, editing and just the outtakes and I'll go back and re-listen. I know Jared will he'll re-listen to episodes over and over again and just we'll just keep laughing at ourselves and that's all that matters. Right on. Well- well, speaking of that, is there any particular incident or any anecdote or anything that you have that sticks out doing podcasting so far that that you want to share with the listeners? Anything that jumps out at you? Um, I that jumps out at me. Special or anything? Any special moment you've had or any particular funny thing that happened well, or anything like that? <laughs> well, the well. I, I would say the special moment was doing that uh, 12 days of crusade miss uh, with the guys, just getting that all recorded and out and on time, you know, I, to do a, to do 12 days in a row, each day we had an episode out 
and that you know it was recorded it was edited and i, I think the way we did that uh in recording is we re- we would record certain segments uh, of because each one of us was a host for right. the 12 days so uh so then i had to kind of cut cut and copy and paste and do you know different things like that so that would be kind of a highlight i think that was an enjoyment fun times oh it's every time that we're on i don't i you know there's there's so many funny things going on and if you listen to um if you listen to crusader chronicles which is the more ongoing show um and the you'll you'll hear the inside jokes the gags that we have going on um that carry on to other things that we're doing like with our James Bond, our MI6 rookie agents, where we're going through all the James Bonds movie, all the James Bond movies from start to finish. Some of the stuff carries over into there, and so it's it's just interesting. And and what's what's fun and enjoyable and and makes I just enjoy that we do have people that are listening and they're in on the joke as well too. And you know they'll tweet it or they'll do something do live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just fun, and it's just the people that listen. I do really appreciate all the people that are listening and responding back, liking and sharing. Um, it's, it's just so much to know that some you know people are out there listening uh, and enjoying what we're doing. Yeah, that's that's a good feeling. I I I know what you're talking about there. That's definitely a good feeling to get uh, that validation from total strangers that. <laughs> You're not just out there <laughs> talking to the wind, just you know. There's actually people out there that respond to you, and it's well, and and yeah, that and it's the response back of them laughing and oh, that was so funny, or that was and like oh, it's just I'm glad I could make them happy right. and just put a smile on somebody's face that I don't even know. Uh, I think that's you know that that means something to me is you know if I can make somebody laugh that I don't even right. know. And, you know, maybe bring a smile to their day and then it was well worth it. All the editing hours, all the recording with Jared. Oh. <laughs> no, it was well worth yeah, it. And I, I, know, like I, said, I know sometimes I, again, as I've talked about, I have problems, time management, trying to get my shows out on time because of the family. And sometimes I consider, you know, well, maybe I should stop doing the Starman Manhunter show or, maybe should, you know, I don't know. And I get feedback from, you know, yeah. such as yourself and some other people. Well, you if you need help with it, if you need this, let me know. I, you know, enjoy the show. Oh, yeah. You know, keep doing it, please. You know, I'm like, and things like that. And like I say on on the, the last episode of uh, GI Joe recorded, or you know, we had uh, a listener write in and actually take time out mm-hmm. the day and did some math and figured out, you know, how yeah. many Joes was on the GI Joe team compared to how many issues the comic <laughs> came out, things like that. And people, you know, on uh, I talked about mm-hmm. the GI Joe. Uh, podcast that there's this G.I. Joe Canada Facebook group that I'm on that one of the main mm-hmm. founders of that, he's a listener and he helps oh, me wow, the show cool. and he talks, you know, he's like, tell, people come, new people come on the Facebook page. Oh, while you're at, you know, there's this G.I. Joe show, you know, by Betty Aaron that you ought to check out. So I appreciate, you know, listeners like that. Yeah, cool. that like you said, whenever, you know, you start feel, is it worth it? You can make someone laugh or you can make someone, you know, if someone responds to you and lets you know that they're feeling what you're doing. It makes it all worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely feel you on definitely. that. Definitely. Uh, well, that's, that's, I, oh, uh, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, you, you do bring up a, a good point of the timing of getting things out. Um, that is something that I think I, I struggled with in the beginning as well, too. If you look back in my feed, I had a few three or four episodes strong, and then I kind of pit, pittered out. And I think what helped me the most, too, is um, having um, is having you know, the co-host. So you got, you got other people encouraging you right. to, um, you know, and that look forward to it. So that helps me go, okay, I got to get an episode out, but I've learned not to, I guess we don't really have with our episodes. We don't really have a set schedule where it's saying it's out on this day or it's out on, right. you know, I'm, I'm not, we haven't, I try, was going to go to try to do that, but it, you know, Best laid plans are never meant. Yeah, I um, made that mistake. I go, this, this show should be I read, This should be on Tuesday. This should be the next Tuesday. And half the time, yeah. I'm a little late, but here it is. Sorry. Yeah, you know, you, we, I don't get paid for to do this, right. so it's it's all my free time, and and so a family and life gets in the way, and that's understandable. Um, but I do think. Um, it, it you what you learn from that is okay here's what i can do here's what i can't do um like long box crusade it trying to make that a monthly um to come out monthly um crusader chronicles is you might get two or more or or one um a month and then uh saturday matinee that's it that's a l- smaller show because of the content that we're doing right. Is you know it's a twenty minute TV show, so not a lot to say about it. Uh, so that's easier to just get get that done, and and it, with the format we have, let's turn that over. I can turn that over in, in editing, you know, within the next week. So that one will, pro- will probably be like every other Saturday. So, but yeah, timing is is definitely something that is something you would have to. You know, don't make dates and set dates that you may not be able to do. <laughs> and, you know, you know, let you set those expectations. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, that's very good advice. That's it's very good. Do you have any other, anything else you want to let the listening audience know or anything or any other comments or anything? Anything I covered that you want to share or? Um... No, I would just say if if anybody that is out there thinking of doing it or are doing it, and um, uh, feel free to reach out and contact me. And if you got questions or anything that I could help out with, I just want to you know pay it forward, like um, the from the ones that have, like you, uh, Ryan Daly, uh, Shag, and other podcasters. You know, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Uh, Darren gave me lots of great feedback. I just, you know, if you got somebody, uh, ask them. Hey, listen to my show. Tell me, you know, what you think about it. Get to get that feedback. Most definitely. Speaking of feedback, I, like you were talking earlier, it's it's easier to do this talking to somebody else instead of by yourself. I've had people that listen to some of my different shows, and they say, "Yeah, listening to your different shows, you're more relaxed and you're a bit, I don't know, freer, but you're a little more. It's a better show when I'm talking to other people instead of yeah." Like you said. 
Okay, this month I am looking at Suicide yeah. Squad number 15. It's easier yet, actually, because you get more of a conversational tone yeah. and the joking and the back and forth. So like, mm-hmm. it is a better it's show. Definitely helpful. I, I, I'm not saying nothing's wrong with single shows. I mean, that's what I started right. out doing. And, you know, that's – I just – you do feel a little – I do feel a little more relaxed and – and it's just you know more off the cuff stuff. We you know script wise we have a script, but it's just to kind of give us a guideline on what we're talking about or where we need to be in the in the show. So and and that changes too. Right. You know it, that that's what makes it fun and exciting is because you don't know what the other person may or may yeah. not say and what <laughs> rabbit hole that's going to take you down. Yeah, no, definitely it's part of the fun. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, doing single episodes too. If, if you're good at it and you're used to doing it, and you have a method to your madness <laughs> or your, your to doing it, that can work out great too. I mean, I listen to several podcasts that are that way and enjoy them. So you know, the the stuff you do, I enjoy Thank it. You. I enjoy it because I'm learning. You know, I'm learning about okay, these, these are. Wrong. I want to do this. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, not at all. I'm learning about, you know, Suicide Squad, Task Force yeah. X, Checkmate. I mean, it got me interested into, you know, research, finding old Checkmate comic books and things like that. So I like hearing that because to me that that kind of validates the show and kind of makes me feel better about yeah. wasting my time, if you will, doing this. If I get someone that I've, says, you know, and I've heard from other people on Facebook, whatever. They, I used to listen to it. I never did read this, but I heard you talk about it, so I wanted to check it out. It's really good. So if it turns people on or if it, it brings people back to something they haven't read in decades, yeah. it's a really good feeling. Or I, I, yeah, I use it as a yeah, – I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> um, I, look at, I look at my thing, and I think I have about 20 or uh, about 50-some subscriptions. 54 – currently I have 54 subscriptions right now. So I do a lot of podcast listening. Yeah, I've had to drop some just because I get so far behind. I don't have time. So I, <laughs> there's some like Darren and Ruth Southern. I want to listen to their shows because they're great people. But their mm-hmm. shows, it's nothing that really calls at me. And I want to listen to hearing them talk, but I just don't have the time to <laughs> with all these other shows I really want to listen to to listen to some other shows. And then some shows, yeah. I listen to a lot of uh, Andy. These shows over on the CW Network shows. I was okay. with a lot of them. Yeah. I get behind on the TV show. I'm on the podcast. So I just stop listening to most of them just because I have enough time. I get behind. yeah. Oh yeah, it takes. <laughs> so yeah, I have to make cuts somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but what well, is? I guess I guess I'll do it for this time. I wish to thank you very much, Pat, for joining me in this little endeavor. I'm trying. Hopefully, it works out right and oh, comes sure. out good and people enjoy it. Um, why don't you tell people where they can find you? If they, you know, we talked a little bit about your podcast. Why don't you tell them exactly where they can find you? What the name of your shows are, and where, if they want to contact okay. you, how to contact you? All right. Well, you can find my podcast uh, at at Longbox Crusade dot. Or you can find the podcast at longboxcrusade.com dot com is the main blog area feed. Uh, you can find it on Apple i Apple. Um, at you can find it on Apple at Longbox Crusade. Um, also, through that is the spinoff show um, Crusader Chronicles, where we are chronologically going through 
my comic book collection via either in a issue or trade or even digitally now. Um, and so you can find us going through those comics. Um, uh, that's also on the main Longbox Crusade feed. Each show does have its separate feed. Um, you do. You can also hear Saturday Matinee Theater as well, where we're going through black and white uh, serials, TV shows from years gone by, um, things that we can find there uh, as well. And also you can catch us on the On Her Majesty's Secret podcast, which is um, a venture we're on with uh, covering the James Bonds episodes there as well. Um, oh, you can find me if you want to direct contact me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Christatos01. Uh, otherwise, you can also contact the main Twitter is at Longbox Crusade. Or if you're on Facebook, you can find at Longbox Crusade there as well. Or you can look me up under just Pat Sampson. And again, <coughs> me. try that again. And again, like I say due to timing and not enough time in the day. I haven't listened to your Secret Service podcast, but I listen to everything else you do. Uh, I wasn't sure about the, the uh, Sherlock Holmes one at first, because I'm like, well, I haven't watched these. I enjoy Sherlock Holmes, but uh, I get so far on podcasts as this, I don't have time for another mm-hmm. one. You know what, though? It's my buddy Pat. <laughs> i got to check it out. So I've listened to every episode of that so far. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying your well, thank shows. You. Thank you. Thank I, you. I don't have time, but I find time to listen to them, just because... And that's I'm afraid oh. to check out the James Bond one, because that's another oh, something to listen to. Be- <laughs> no, if you like... You guys. If you like listening to us, you gotta talk here. If you like James, do you like James yeah, Bond? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy James Bond. Yeah. All See, right. I, I, yeah. Oh, thanks, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Take a listen yeah, to I, it. I, you know what? The, another the best thing that I found is um, I with listening to podcasts is I speed them up a little bit to like a, I think I'm at a one point three or a one point four. I'm able to speed it up to um, just on a separate app, not because the actual Apple app doesn't equals like one and then one yeah. and a half. So it's two kind of, so I speed it up a little bit and that's definitely helped oh, me. Yeah, I've, I've accidentally bumped the button and knocked it up to one and a half. And I'm like, it doesn't sound right to me. I, I can't do it. Cause I've heard people say they, they speed it up and listen to it a faster. Yeah. I just, yeah, I tried the one and a half, and yeah, it just it's too like you said, it's just a little too fast for me. But too much, yeah. I'm trying to think of the I don't know if it's is it Pocket Cast or something that I use. Uh, I don't know. I got it from Shake. Uh, okay, I know you, Overcast or well, uh, might be over something like that. But I, I downloaded the one this Shag was recommending, and I was trying to look at my phone now to find Overcast. Is it overcast? I think Shag recommended that one. I've got that downloaded on my phone. <laughs> I just haven't used it yet. I mean, I've set some of the yeah. podcast up on here. But again, like, yeah, yeah, I have a whole bunch of podcasts. I haven't finished getting them yeah. set up. And I've been, I've, I'm afraid <laughs> to make that leap to something new. <laughs> I would, you know, I would say do it. it I mean, if you want to listen, right. get some things done. It does. It is very helpful right on. Uh, for, for me to, you know. 
Well, so like where I was going with this, but right, we got sidetracked again as we want to, or want to yeah. do. I, I yeah, definitely I, recommend I that all your shows. You got some great shows. I enjoy the the banter between you and thank you uh, the Albert brothers and Delvin, and it just it's a great time. I enjoy the podcasts. Uh, you have great guests. Like thank recently, you. you had uh, Darren Sutherland. Speaking of the Sutherlands, you had Darren on your mm-hmm. the last episode of your uh, that I listened to at this point of your Sherlock Holmes podcast. Yeah, uh, Saturday night. Yeah, he was a great, yeah, great it, guest. He had Clinton on. He's and, a great guy. Yeah, it, it's fun to get. Um, I think getting more guests on like that is is helpful to it. We have fun, and uh, I, I think that having having people on like you and Clinton and and Darren and just some of the other people we've had on our our shows and the ones that are still yet to come, right? I think is just fun i think you know getting them on and then getting them to relax and have fun with us right well again thank you very much for for and taking this endeavor with me and helping yeah. me out launch this well thank segment. you i yeah i wish it all the best thank i you. know i'm definitely listening i have been listening well, i you. you know i appreciate everything you've done um i enjoy your shows as well i mean that's yeah i mean and like you said, you, you you thank me for helping you get started. Like I, if I can pass this addiction on to somebody else, more than merrier. <laughs> <laughs> it is an addiction. I would definitely tell you that. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pat. Well, it's getting late here, so I know it's even later for you. So I appreciate your time, and we'll be talking sure. to you soon, buddy. Okay. Thank you, Aaron. Bye. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Head Speaks will be back after these messages. Hello, I'm Pat Sampson. And I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my longbox that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too. Oh, oh, and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond. And I love comics too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, this is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Uh, well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time! Top 40 music chart toppers! Movies, both good and bad! Maybe even some favorite recipes! Whatever I think is funny! 
we'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? Hi, John. Hi, Maggie. I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married. <laughs> Me too, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Aw. Well, hey, I was looking at these old comics and I noticed that there's Hold a Hold that thought. Why don't we talk about it on our podcast? We have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married, we change our names, we combine our comic collections, we start a podcast about comic books. I mean, we're always having way too detailed conversations about all things comic-related anyway. Why not share them with people? Well, I can't fault your logic there, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. And at the very top, by this railing, is a guy. Tony Stark. Yeah, I know. I think it's just a guy. Could be just a guy, but I want to think of him as the spy that they planted there. Just Spider-Man just running down the side of, running the down the side of a yeah. building because I was like, that is, that's really cool. That's yeah. not something I can do. <laughs> Day drinking. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly fuck up. <laughs> It goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey to Phoenix to Dead. Um, <laughs> Where Thing immediately demonstrates why I'm not overly fond of them. And yet we're still married. To say, <laughs> wow, you sure didn't find her in no pile of mothballs, Sean. Like, what the hell is oh, yeah. that? And then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys. <laughs> in <the> <laughs> A brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. <laughs> a brainwave camera, a brainwave took camera. a picture oh. of some guy's head. And Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. Stan the Man Lee, the most shameless self-promoter that has ever existed, and I wouldn't have him any other way. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast. We're two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. And sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. What about your hatred for Jimmy Olsen? And my hatred of Jimmy Olsen. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marywcomics.lipson.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. And now back to... Head speaks.
this episode of uh, At the Movies of Head, I'm going to look at all the different comic book movies from the two big companies. Um, I'm stolen. I've stolen. I'm stealing this idea from another podcasting buddy. I'm sure several groups have done it so far, but I'm stealing this. I've recently listened to Andrew Leyland on the Glittering Palace of Delights or whatever, and he's recently uh, covered this and listed his the Marvel movies from the worst, in his opinion, to the best. Again, not necessarily worst to the best, but his least favorite to his favorite. So I decided I might take a page out of his book and do the same, but I'm going to do it for both Marvel and DC. But separately, because, again, there's not a lot of comparison between the two, unfortunately. Comic-wise, I'm a DC guy, but movie-wise, I am a Marvel guy. So first up, we're going to look at the DC movies, and I'm going to list them from... The worst, in my opinion, to the best. There's been five movies as of this recording that I'm looking at. So let's take a look at them. And like any proper list, we're going to start reverse order. Uh, so we'll start number five on my list, which, uh, seeing how I do a Task Force X podcast, this should be number one. But sadly, it's number five. We're going to go with the Suicide Squad movie from 2016. Uh, I need to do a commentary on this movie. But uh, the more I watch it, the more I dislike it. Though, it, I never got to the point yet of hating it. I just, it's not... Uh, I, I want to say it's not a good film, but it's not a good Suicide Squad film. Anywhere from the... And again, these are... I guess I should say now, uh, there may be spoilers for any of all these movies. So if you don't want spoilers, don't listen. But... Um, Suicide Squad, uh, starting with the, the horrible Leto Joker we've got from both his performance and the makeup design, the design of the character, I just hated that. Not a big fan of the slutty Harley Quinn that we got, uh, like more, the more traditional Harley Quinn. The, the race changed dead shots. The lackluster Rick Flagg. And the, uh, the the villainous Amanda Waller. It just this movie had a lot of bad notes on it. I heard on I think it was the Now Playing podcast that it was done by a video game director. It was edited by a video game director or music video director or something. You can see that there's a lot of flash and style, but very little substance to it. Um, and again, I'm, I'll talk more about this on my Task Force X podcast. I've talked about it some. I'll talk about it again later. But I, I felt the, the plot itself was a bad plot for a first movie. That the Suicide Squad had to stop one of their own. That's not a bad idea, but it should have been maybe the second film. The first film should have been them getting together, fighting, a, forming the team before having to fight one of their own, in my opinion. Uh, wasn't a fan of the way they did the hunt or uh, the uh, enchantress in this movie. I am more partial to the the witch's hat and the skimpy little outfit she wears in the but uh, fully clothed outfit the hat she had in the Suicide Squad. Not this whatever half slutty thing she had on. Plus, I don't know. I just and that's coming from me. Um, I, I do like they touched on her brother. Uh, Incubus, who was from the comics. That was nice, but there was a lot of problems with it. Also, the fact that, yeah, they, they got a covert team to go into, uh, what was it, Detroit, 
to fight this big menace that a lot of heroes should have seen and we should add some more heroes in it. I did like the nice touch that the building they went to to rescue Waller was called the John Ostinger Building, who was the creator of the original villainous team of Suicide Squad. Because there was an earlier Task Force X Suicide Squad, but John Ostinger created the, the great team, and the one that I cover my Task Force X podcast. But yeah, this movie had a lot going wrong with it. I, I know they made, I'm assuming they made uh, Deadshot Black because they wanted to have more black people in the movie, more representation. I think that was silly. They should have left Deadshot as he was, because there are black characters they could have pulled from the comic. A great one would have given another hero to, maybe not necessarily a hero. He started out villainous, but he became a hero. I'm talking about Bronze Tiger, a.k.a. Ben Turner, a perfectly good black character that part of the Suicide Squad, part of their history, part of the origin of the Suicide Squad. It would have been a damn fine addition to the movie. I think that Bronze Tiger would have been perfect for it. I I just think they missed the boat. So, I, I... Again, this is the lowest on my spectrum. I will, since I do have a, a Task Force X podcast, I will talk more about this later. Trust me on this. I've talked about it before my show. I plan at some point in the future, hopefully near future, doing a commentary track on it. I've got a couple people lined up for that. Uh, just finding time to get them together and do it. But uh, that's number five on my list. The fourth one on my list... My, my second least favorite of the movies. And again, not saying that any of them are bad per se, but this is my least favorite of them is Man of Steel. I enjoyed the movie. Don't get me wrong. Again, none of these are, there are horrible movies. It's just out of the list. This is my least favorite, I believe, out of them. And again, this list is purely mine, purely subjective or objective, whichever. It could change at any moments, given my whims of fancy, but Man of Steel... Uh, again, it was a good movie overall. My problems with it, why it's so far down the list, the main one is that, and I've said before, that Superman, his costume was too dark. He was, again, while he wasn't, you know, killer one sight, dark, it was a darker movie to me. Superman should be a character full of hope and enlightenment and give you hope for the future. I, there was a couple scenes in here there, here and there that did, but overall, I didn't get that sense of hope I wanted from this movie. I, I didn't care for the way that Pa Kent said, to heck with everyone else, let's worry about you. I understand where they're going for, but I, I, yeah. I, I, that's not Pa Kent to me. Pa Kent to me is, oh yeah, you got these powers, Clark. I understand that, you know, you got these problems, you got these people that's trying to, you know, maybe try to use you, but you need to do what you can to help people. To me, that's Pa and Ma Kent's. And I, I could have dismissed this and just said, okay, maybe as long as Ma Kent's a little more people-friendly. But I think it was the Batman vs. Superman movie kind of shot that down. So in retrospect, I don't care for Paul's writing in here, the way he's written. I I did. I don't have a problem with him killing Zodding at the end of the movie. Again, he's done that in the comics, under less. He's done that in the original, uh, what was it, Superman 2 movie. So he's done it before, so it's not a new thing. I didn't have a problem with that. I understood completely why that was. I had a problem with the destruction of Metropolis. Uh, this came out during the same era as like Pacific Rim and Transformers and a lot of these other movies that destruction porn. I have a problem. I mean, maybe it's because I'm getting old, but I get tired 
And maybe if this had been a little movie I seen it, it may have been a little bit different. But again, seeing all these other movies saying destruction and destruction of the city, so much utter destruction, I just get tired of it. So while I, I can't necessarily fault Man of Steel for that, I do fault it that they had all that destruction of Metropolis. I understand what they're going for, but again, all that destruction just it, again, I'm 48 at this point in my life. I just get tired of seeing movies just destruction for destruction's sake. I I don't know. Again, it wasn't a horrible movie, but it had some problems that brought it down on my list. Though having said that, I will say I do like the way that uh, Henry Cavill portrayed the Man of Steel. I thought he made it, he looked like the Man of Steel. Again, I wanted the costume to be a little more brighter, a little more blue, a little more red, a little more yellow. Not as dark and danky, but... I And again, I want Superman to be a little more hopeful, if you will. But I thought he did a good job as an actor. So I don't blame him. I blame the, the writers and maybe the director or producer. Uh, maybe WB, because most of these films have this darker overtone that kind of detracts from it, in my opinion. But that's number four is The Man of Steel. Number three, in my opinion, is Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. I don't think this movie deserves all the hate it gets. It wasn't great. It's third on my list of DC films. But it wasn't horrible. My One of my biggest problems with this movie, as I've said elsewhere, is I don't like the 20-year gap between Batman and Superman having came about. Because in the movie, Batman's been around for 20 years. Superman's only been around for like a year and a half. I, I think they should be contemporaries. I think it started Batman too old to do the movie proper. They, they should be contemporaries. Batman shouldn't be a tired, ready-to-kill-everybody vigilante by this point. He should be the younger, more youthful Bruce. When I first heard Ben Affleck was going to be Batman, I was like, oh, I don't know. I saw Argo. I changed my tune. I said, you know, he might do all right at it. And yeah, he did a good job for what they gave him. Again, I don't blame most of the actors in here. I just feel that the writing and some of the directing wasn't where it should have been. But things I did like in this, just so it's not an all, I don't like this fest. Um, again, I like the interaction between Batman and Superman. I thought the introduction of Wonder Woman did it was very fantastic. She, that was great. I like Jeremy Irons as uh, Alfred. At first, I wasn't sure because I think Alfred or uh, Irons is a great actor. I just don't see him as Alfred, but he did the role pretty. He did role well as well. He does everything really amazingly. Um, a lot of people give Doomsday crap. I thought Doomsday looked really good. I don't know about the whole electrical power things he kind of displayed, but other than that, I mean, I thought he didn't have the bony protrusions like he did in the comic, but they were starting to grow before he died. But other than that, I thought he looked like he should. A lot of people compared to the Abomination. I can't blame DC for that, because again, I think Doomsday looked, if you remove his bony protrusions, like he looked a lot like the creature did. I have to blame Marvel for making their Abomination look less like the comic book. A lot of people also give hate to the Martha scene. I enjoyed that. I thought it was appropriate. It could have probably been written a little better, maybe. But a lot of people said, oh, that's stupid. It's just a moment of the same names. Well, again, the the movie didn't make that up. Both Bruce and Clark have moms with the same names. There's just the first time I think I've ever heard it referenced and mentioned and, and brought to the detail that 
they their mom share the same name. And again, a lot of people say, well, it made no sense. Well, it does to me because to me, Batman, and again, it goes back to part of my main problem about Batman being, try that again. It goes back to my main problem about Batman being too old, in quotes in this case, that Batman started off more like, in my opinion, like the Batman we see from the comics. It's still the Dark Knight, but not as willing to let people die as he does in this movie. In fact, there's a great line earlier when uh, he's talking with Alfred and Bruce says something along the lines of there's no difference between me and the villains. And Alfred said there used to be. Which says that Batman wasn't always this cold and heartless in the past. I think his death of Robin plus everything else, you know, 20 years of crime fighting have led him to this point. And so when he's fighting Superman and Superman tells him, you know, save Martha and that mentioned that first of all, it mentions his mom. Well, not mentioning his mom, but you know, it's his mom's name, so it makes him think of his mom, and it makes him realize, oh shit, what if I, you know, I, I started this in, in honor of my parents to avenge my parents to honor my parents' memory, and this is what I turned into. If my mom could see me, if you know, my mom Martha could see me now, she would be ashamed of me. And also, then when Lo- uh, Lois comes up and tells him that that's his mom's name. Uh, it's Clark or Superman's mom's name. It makes Bruce again. This is my opinion. It's not really. Maybe that's part of the problem. It's not quite clearly stated in the movie. But I think, come on, people, use your brain and think about things. But I think it makes Bruce think. You know, because before you know, he's thought this is alien creature that came here, brought destruction upon Earth. Even though we know it's not Superman's fault that Zod came and tried destroying the world, Superman stopped it from happening. From Bruce's perspective, this is an alien that came and, and helped destroy a large chunk of Metropolis. And finding out that he has a, a mom just like he does, in fact, very close to his mom because of the name thing. Plus the fact they're both hot, but that's another story entirely. Um, makes him realize that maybe Superman's not this alien monster he thought he was. That maybe, you know, he, he, he there is... There's this uh, Earth human that's willing to stand up for him. He's got a mom. Maybe he's a little more human, in quotes, than Bruce was giving him credit for. Again, it might have been written a little better, maybe a little less clunky, but I personally enjoyed it. I thought it very fitting. And another scene people give crap to is the scene when Clark has Bruce go save his mom, and so Batman shows up to Martha Kent, and yeah, you know, she's like, "Who are you?" And he says, "I'm a friend of your sons." Everyone says, "Well, you're not your, you're not a friend of his, his sons. You guys were just fighting just a few minutes ago." I think these people need to chill the blank out. I mean, yes, they were fighting. He was trying to kill them a few moments ago, but then he again, Batman kind of softened a little bit, and this is a bit of an emergency. Instead, of, instead of spending half an hour explaining to Clark's mom how. Well, yeah, I thought your son was an inhuman alien monster, so I was trying to kill him, but then we talked things out, kind of, and we, we, you, got to, you got to say no to my mom, so it made me realize that, that spending half an hour explaining why he's there to save her, it's quick as just to say, well, I'm a friend of your son's. That wraps it up, and it kind of shorthand. I mean, again, this is an emergency situation. 
So I, I did have not have a problem with that. A lot of people I've heard on the internet complain about that. I think they need to shut up. Uh, that's my opinion. I thought that was a good scene. And it got the job done, in my opinion. So again, like I say, it wasn't a bad movie. I, I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. And the game may be a little long, but that's another story entirely. But yeah, I enjoyed Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. I thought it was a good movie. Uh, it wasn't the greatest. Still some problems, as I've talked about. But overall, I enjoyed it. Moving on to number two on my list, Justice League. And this is number two, partly just because of I've waited 48 years, or pretty close. I guess actually the time is 47 years, or pretty close, for a, a Justice League movie. This has gathered Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg. Well, wait, oh, Cyborg, that's another issue. That's, that's a comic issue. But, uh... Yeah, I didn't say Flash and Aquaman because I don't know if I saw them in this movie, but that, I'll get to that in my complaint. And that's why this isn't my number one movie. But overall, I enjoyed the movie. Again, there is part of the problems with it is still the whole time dissolution from, you know, between Superman and Batman being around. I don't like that still, but nothing named about it because that was started already. Um, there, there seems to be some timeline wonkiness with Wonder Woman. Uh, we'll get to that in the Wonder Woman movie also. DC slash Warner Brothers doesn't seem to have their act together, doesn't know doesn't seem to know, know what they're doing yet, which is part of the problem with DC Universe uh, movies after all, overall. But Justice League, I, I enjoyed, as I said, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I enjoyed the guy that played Cyborg. I did enjoy CGI throughout most of the movie. I thought a CGI was very wonky and it looked like CGI. And I'm the guy, the kind of guy that doesn't usually notice CGI issues. Uh, like with Superman's mustache, everyone complained about. I didn't notice the problem with that. In case you don't know, apparently they had to do some reshoots. Henry Cavill was shooting uh, Mission Impossible 6 or 7 or 55 or whatever they're up to. And in that movie, had a mustache. Well, Universal, whoever does the, the uh, Mission Impossible movies, didn't want him to shave the mustache. So Warner Brothers had to go in there and CGI it out. I don't recall. I'm off to watch again and see. I don't. I didn't. I knew about it, but I didn't see it. I didn't notice any of those scenes with it in there. So it's fine. But Cyborg, I noticed it was very CGI like. Um, other characters I didn't care for. Flash. I hated the costume. I thought the character did a horrible job. He was written horribly. Uh, not only was he not blonde, he was black haired, which bugs the hell out of me. And he looks like he was at ADD or something. He, he was, and again, I could see a speecher having that problem. That's not Barry. If you're going to call him Barry Allen, you need to make him Barry Allen. He was unemployed, living in you know wherever it was, tunnels or whatever, scraping up pieces of technology together. That's not Barry Allen. Bear, uh, Bruce had to get him a job at the end. I, I disliked the whole character, the whole thing they did. The costume was horrible, as I said. Uh, the special effects was interesting, but. It doesn't make up for everything else. Also, I intensely disliked uh, Aquabro, as me and the wife call him. He seemed more like a frat guy than Aquaman. I hated the dark hair. I hated the whole kind of bro attitude he had. I, again, these two characters is what really brought this down to second place for me. If these guys had been written better, it may have been up a little higher, maybe. Well, he's got one more spot, but it could have maybe been higher. Also, the villain, Steppenwolf wasn't a bad villain. I He was kind of CGI, kind of fake-looking. 
I I think they should have went for Dark Side like I originally heard they were going to, but I can understand why they didn't since Deep Marvel was coming out with and they've been in, they've been slowly introducing Thanos. Dark Side and Thanos are very much the same character, just for different companies. So I can understand why they didn't want to go with Dark Side since Deep Marvels already introduced Thanos, and they would just be you know people that don't know. Oh, you're just copying Marvel. Well, yeah, but that's the character. But overall, I enjoyed the movie. I, I thought the fight scenes were pretty good. Um, someone, I was talking on a message where they were saying Roger Reason Flash was relegated to saving people outside instead of fighting Steppenwolf as he was afraid of Steppenwolf. I don't know if that's true. And if so, it's even worse because the Flash, even, Barry Allen, even if he's afraid of something, he's going to fight it head on. He's not going to just be sidelined just because of that. Uh, they did, again, spoilers, they did bring Superman back from the dead when he died in the last movie. Which I forgot to mention that they did kind of adapt the the Death of Superman movie and Batman vs Superman. I enjoyed that. Again, more of the wonkiness at the end of the last movie, uh, Batman vs Superman, when they were at Kansas, and something else I forgot to mention on that. I'll mention that real quick. Uh, they buried in Batman vs Superman. Going back a movie real quick, they buried Clark Kent in Kansas. And they had an empty tomb in, Met- in Metropolis where they buried Superman at. I think he should with the comic approach and kept it the same and kept Clark with not finding his body and burying Superman in Metropolis. That way, when they bring him back, and you know they're going to bring him back, it would make it easier to explain that, you know, Clark Kent would just vanish in the rubble and they found him, much like they did in the comic. They could have followed the comic. The comic laid this out for him. All they had to do was follow the layout that was already there. But instead, they buried Clark Kent in Metropolis. Uh, and they had a body in Gotham, so or Gotham, in uh, Smallville. So now they're going to have to explain why Clark Kent's back alive. I think he kind of dig himself in a hole. They're going to probably screw it up getting right out of it like they normally do, but we'll see what happens. But as I was saying, at the end of Batman vs. Superman, we see the ground kind of lifting up where Superman was at, kind of insinuating he was coming back to life or something was happening to bring him back to life. I think maybe they didn't know what they were going to do. They wanted to give you a hint that he was coming back. But in this movie, that ties nothing to a that. Batman digs up his body, puts him in the, the fluid chamber, whatever, that created brain, uh, Doomsday, and used Flash to bring him back to life. A little wonky, a little eh, clunky there. That could have done that better. But overall, it was a decent movie. And I heard this was going to be a two-part movie originally, and they scrapped it, and now it's just the one-movie standalone movie. Again, I don't know how much that was conjecture and fanboy speculation, but that's what I've heard. But that's uh, Justice League, which is number two on my list. Then we move to the top of the list with the my favorite movie of the DC Universe movies, Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was a great movie. Uh, like everything else, it may have its problems, but I think it had less than all the rest of the movies. And that's why on the top of my list. Uh, it was great to see a female-oriented mainstream DC, uh, superhero character. I mean, I know there's been others. There's been Electra's had her own movie, and there's been these other characters that had movies, but I think Electra dropped the ball heavily. And then there's been a lot of independent characters from independent companies that had movies, but I think Wonder Woman, discounting Electra just because the movie had so many problems, Wonder Woman was the first major character, especially from DC. And again, this is kind of where Marvel's dropping the ball. 
they've got a Captain Marvel movie lined up with a female hero, but they've had Wasp. They could have had a movie off of her already, but they haven't. So they're kind of behind the eight ball on that. But other than that, uh, we'll get to Marvel later. But I thought Wonder Woman did a great job bringing her into the world. Uh, it was set a period piece. They said it in World War One, I, I believe it was, because Captain America was in World War Two or vice versa. I forget now. But it's another World War because Captain America was in the other one. So, and they don't want to be the same as that. But I, I love the inclusion of Steve Rogers. I thought that was great. Only problem. Including Steve Rogers and his her origins is he may not be around age wise for the later movies, but that's a moot point, I guess. But overall, yes, I enjoyed Wonder Woman. I thought the humor was good. My daughter loved it. My family loved it. So, and that's a big plus when my family loves it because again, my daughter's a geek. She's much like her dad. My wife is kind of geeky, not as much so. So when she loves these movies, you know they're good. So, again, that's my top DC, that's my DC list. Start at the bottom going up. And I think I was going to do this all in one show, but I think, again, I'm going to split these up. I will do DC this time, and the next time I'll do the Marvel movies or a later one. So, those are my top five in order DC movies. And these are just from, again, the current cinematic DC Cinematic Universe it's not counting all the, the junk and the good stuff that came before. Uh, maybe at some point I'll rate those also, but this is just for the, the current DC Cinematic Universe. So what do you guys think? Am I crazy? Am I right? You can email me at head at headspeaks.com and let me know what you think about these movies. Are they good? Did you like them? Am I wrong? Did, I, did you miss something? Did I miss something? Let me know. Um, we're going to go ahead and move on. There's no real feedback to give. I think I've given all the feedback I need to give. Unfortunately, I don't get any emails from you guys. I haven't got any ratings from anybody. Uh, go ahead and go on Apple Podcasts. Rate me. Give me a review. Let me know what you guys think. I would love hearing from everybody. Send me an email. Send me a Facebook post. Um, I know I do have a new listener out there, Jonathan Hames, who's actually I'm playing his podcast this episode. Uh, I met him on Facebook. We have mutual friends in common. We met through a comment on that, and I'd mentioned that I'm a, uh, I do, you know, podcasts, and so he asked which podcast I do, I gave him a list, and he said he started listening, he's been listening to the G.I. Joe one, some of the others, and uh, I just want to say, hey, Jonathan, I saw playing his promo this time, he's got a new podcast with his wife, so I just want to give him a shout out, and anyone that I, I that's written or Again, no one's written in, but anyone that's commented on my Facebook post. Uh, again, I don't check Twitter like I should. I need to get back on Twitter. That's at Headcast Network. Or on Facebook, I'm at Headcast Network or Head Speaks. Again, either one, you can find me there. But yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm kind of uh, babbling at this point. Go ahead and write in and let me know what you guys think. I enjoy hearing from you guys. I guess that's going to do it. Until next time, remember, Head has spoken. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Head Speaks. 
Hope you enjoyed it. If so, let me know. Drop me an email to head at headspeaks.com or visit our home at head.headspeaks.com. You can also visit and talk with me on Facebook and Google+, both under Head Speaks. You can also send an MP3 file with your thoughts, and I can play that on the air. And you can also get more of me on my other podcasts. Be sure to listen to Task Force X, where monthly I look at John Ostinger's Suicide Squad and Paul Kuppenberg's Checkmate comics from the 80s and early 90s. Also, over on G.I. Joe, A Real American Headcast, my podcasting friends, Ryan Daly and Kyle Benning, along with myself, are looking at all of the G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero comics, and related titles from Marvel and IDW. All of my headcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher, along with the respective blogs and my main page at headspeaks.com. All comments, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Headspeaks are owned wholly by the speaker of said comments and do not express the opinions of Headspeaks. Unless, of course, I'm the one making the comments. Headspeaks, Task Force X, and G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, are all part of the headcast family. So join us next month for another wonderful episode of Headspeaks. Until then, I'll see you in the funny pages. Good night. Good night.